Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Casual Friday on the Just Baseball Show. It is Friday, January 27th. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. That's Jack McPaul and that's Arm Lane and I'm Peter Apple. And what we normally do on Casual Fridays is shit on some teams. We're a very positive bunch, but sometimes we got to lay the wood. And that's what we're going to do on some of these teams. We have non-contenders. We're talking about biggest weaknesses for those non-contenders. But first, we have a trade. Cole Irvin is heading over to the Baltimore Orioles from the Oakland A's. And Jack, you have something that you really want to talk about, about the Astros. What's up, everybody? I do. Hey, guys. Yeah, I... I, I can't say that I had like a, a reaction to Cole Irvin going to Baltimore because Cole Irvin just feels like another random four or five that the Baltimore Orioles have in their assortment of fours and fives and Grayson Rodriguez. So um, I'll let Arm hit on that one. But the one that I wanted to shout out was the Astros have their new GM after firing James Click, which was probably a bad decision. Like a World Series winning general manager was fired after they won the World Series. That doesn't make much sense. But if you're going to replace him, they pick the right guy. Dana Brown, who was the vice president of scouting for the Atlanta Braves for the last four years, is the new GM of the Houston Astros. He is responsible for getting Michael Harris in the third round in 2019. Vaughn Grissom in the 11th round in 2019. Spencer Strider in the fourth round in 2020. He's been Alex Anthopoulos's guy. Before Atlanta, he was in Toronto with Anthopoulos. Before that, they were both with the Montreal Expos and the Washington Nationals when they made that move. Uh, Dana Brown has been working with the best in the business that we have called AA. And uh, here the Astros are going to grab Alex Anthopoulos's right-hand man after uh, James Click negotiated an Anthopoulos-type deal with Jordan Alvarez. I thought that was a home run hire as soon as I saw it. You talk about what he's what he's done with the Braves but how about also that core that they've built over it with Toronto and and that's something that I'm sure he had a big part of as well I mean he was a special assistant to the GM from 2010 to 2018 there in Toronto where where they've built this young core over that span of of Bo Bichette, Vladdy and all the other names that, that we love and what's interesting too is is he actually played with Craig Biggio at Seton Hall so he ended up Picking up Kevin Biggio as well, who ends up being a, you know, a part of their young core, though I do think he's a guy that ends up getting moved. But they've done such a good job through the years, both the Blue Jays and now the Braves. And, and obviously the Astros already have it down. Uh, they've already been great. So you add another great mind into the fold here. I just hope that 
They let him cook. I hope Crane lets him do his job. Obviously, Dana Brown accepted this job, understanding that there's going to be an owner breathing down his neck a little bit. But I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, how the dynamic works here because obviously Brown knows he's hopping into a job that has had a revolving door for a myriad of reasons. And also, you know, is going to be a little bit more restrictive, maybe for lack of a better word, than most GM jobs or maybe at least publicly restrictive. I think all GMs have owners breathing down their neck, but I would argue that Crane is one of the more involved owners in Major League Baseball. And not to mention, too, Dusty Baker and Click seem to have their issues, too. I'm I'm curious to see how this relationship is going to work. Um, another relationship, sort of. Cole Irvin is now a Baltimore Oriole, and we're going to get into our weaknesses for the non-contenders. And just another reminder, these are not what we deem to be non-contenders. These are based on the Vegas win totals. We did biggest strengths. Aram and I covered that on yesterday's episode, and now we're doing the weaknesses for these multiple teams. And I think going into the Orioles, you could make the argument that the rotation is the biggest weakness. But now I think it makes it a little bit tougher, and I think now we have to brainstorm uh, the biggest weakness now for the Orioles because Cole Irvin is more of a four and a five, I understand, but you know he is a decent arm at times, but with the way you both are shaking your heads, maybe the rotation is still the weakness here for the Orioles. Um, Aram, you seem very dead set on that. Yeah, there's nothing to brainstorm here, in my opinion. I mean, there's nothing close to still as weak as this rotation is. It's going to be what? Okay, you add Cole Irvin in here. Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, Tyler Wells, Grayson Rodriguez are, are is, is the slew of names here. Um, obviously, Grayson, we're assuming, is going to start the season with the big league team. So remove Dean Kramer, I guess, right? This is a bunch of fours at best in a good rotation, probably closer to fives, and then a rookie who we're hoping is going to make the leap. Irvin helps a lot. I like the addition for them because if if you're going to have a mediocre rotation, at least have a bunch of arms that you can at least trust to not implode. I don't trust Dean Kramer to not implode, even though he he had some good flashes last year. It's an upgrade, but not enough to to really make me think that anything else is is a weakness for them, especially when you've got Felix Bautista in the bullpen, have Dylan Tate doing, you know, what he did last year, Michael Givens added to the to the bunch there and some other interesting arms with, with that bullpen. For me, it's far and away the weakness is that rotation still, but Irvin helps a little bit. If an Orioles exactly. fan out there can look me dead in the eye and legitimately sell me that they are serious when they say, oh yeah, Cole Irvin's what we needed to get over the hump. Like, that's what puts this Orioles team over the top. If you can sell me on that, saying it to my face, I'll hand you a $5 bill. Like It's, just, it, just, it's disappointing because Michael Elias, and we've said this on the podcast maybe 50 trillion times, mm-hmm. and we're nearing 51 trillion, that he was going to escalate the payroll. And basically what he did is he signed Adam Frazier, got Kyle Gibson, and now Cole Irvin through a trade. It just is disappointing. And I'm going to continue to say that because – the Orioles window is opening. Maybe they still are a year away because a lot of their prospects coming up have yet to reach the big leagues. A lot of guys that you guys have talked about on the call up, but with Gunner and Adley there and the lineup does look good and the bullpen looks good. They really had to add a big time starting pitcher and Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin just don't move the needle enough to make this not a weakness. But I got to say, there's something about Cole Irvin that I like in Baltimore and I'm not sure what I can't well, even I'm, quantify it. I just I, like it. 
But those three additions that you just named are so bland. Like Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier, Cole Irvin. Those are Michael so Givens. Givens, okay. Like that's Adam a bland. Bit, it's still kind of bland. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like the the Jorge Mateo move last year had a little bit more spice to it because Mateo, while he was really unsuccessful in San Diego, has all those crazy tools. Everybody knew that he had a good glove. Turns out he's got an elite glove. Everybody knew that he can run like the wind. He was top, you know, 5% in sprint speed. So there are things that you can get excited about when your team takes a flyer on Jorge Mateo. What can you get excited about when your team signs Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin to be the one and two in your rotation, barring like Grayson Rodriguez actually being the one when he debuts? James McCann to catch when Adley doesn't play. That's another I mean, dude, sick addition. It's so <laughs> fucking bland. Like I was hoping for more and we got nothing. Cole Irvin had an ERA below four last year. Okay. So, 398. Wow. <laughs> His peripherals look garbage, but he can throw strikes, Arm. Okay. So can Dallas Keuchel. And yeah. he's a he's above 90 also. Okay. Dallas Keuchel's not above 90. He's got that. Yeah. Apparently he That's was where they separate. in Arizona. Is that thing yeah. like, actually happened? Oh, God. I, it's, here's the th- This is what frustrates me is like – there's a lot on the shoulders of Grayson Rodriguez here. And, and, you know, I don't know if they, they'll probably play it off. If you ever asked Michael Elias that question, he'd say, no, nothing's on the shoulders. We we have our rotation. We just added Cole Irvin, whatever. Like he, he doesn't have to do anything. Right. But I think if, if any rational fan, any rational player on this team knows that for this rotation to be anything, but one of the worst in baseball, Grayson Rodriguez has to reach darn near his potential pretty quickly and look i if he doesn't it's okay they've got another year they've got time i think grayson's going to be really good from the jump i really do but it, it seems like that is the only guy if you look at this entire rotation the only guy who has a shot to be better than a, a three in the best case scenario is the guy who hasn't pitched a big league inning yet and i think that says a lot about you know what they failed to address and where they're at pitching wise yeah, I totally disagree. Cole Irvin has at his best a three in him. At his I don't best. think like I don't, I don't even think so. <laughs> you can't even say that with a straight face. Like I can't give you the five bucks. There was that one. There was a couple of times where he pitched in Oakland where he looked unheadable. Oh, I'm sure. And that's the thing. He is going to another environment where like it's going to be favorable for him. I think he's going to be fine. I think it's a good addition in a vacuum. Um, yeah. In a vacuum. And just to wrap up, in a vacuum, they basically got Cole Irvin for free. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, like, look, they, they gave up a decent prospect and and Daryl Arnaez. I hope I say that right. He had a nice year, you know, in the lower levels. But, like, yeah, they don't need him because he's one of a million infielders and he's the one that's furthest away, you know. And then they threw in, you know, a depth arm in there as well. So it, it's it's nothing to give up and and they get a legitimate starting pitcher. He's not exciting, but he's a legitimate established reliable starting pitcher that's fine with me they didn't give up much it's interesting though this kind of shows you the orioles just don't want to part with any of their prospects like nobody's of of significance they'd rather work between the margins and kick you a 20 to 25th ranked prospect for a a very low impact pitcher instead of hey let's trade one of our top 100 guys even though we have a slew of them and they, they could probably trade two guys that aren't top 100 guys and get a legitimate arm they opt not to uh and I think that kind of says how they really feel about their team going into this year. At least that's what I think. They traded a guy that might not be a top 30 guy. 
for a strikeout artist. Do we know what Cole Irvin's K per nine rate is in his major league career? 400 big league innings. At least above five. Above it's five. Like, it's got to be like five, seven, four. It, it's 6.4 Ks per Oh, that's fire. That's almost seven. No, it's not. It's closer <laughs> to six than it is seven. Well, what I will say also for Orioles fans and why I think it's safe to say they basically didn't give up anything for this guy, Cole Irvin. If Aram, the prospect guru, the smartest prospect guy I know, isn't sure of the pronunciation and doesn't know well, and then Jack McMullen, who knows every pronunciation of every player who's ever touched a baseball, doesn't come in to fix him, you know that both of these guys don't really know much about the prospect that he gave up, which is huge. I think that's the biggest part of the deal. Yeah, let me get why Alvarez. Let, Let me get why Alvarez from the Dodgers. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that's could be a problem. Uh, our favorite team, the Boston Red Sox, um, I think have similar issues there to the Baltimore Orioles, where you could say the bullpen, I guess, is their biggest weakness, and I think maybe that might be the correct answer. But I just keep looking at this rotation and think, who's going to give them 150 innings of above of an ERA below three? Now, the obvious answer is Chris Sale, if healthy, but. At 34 years old, I just don't know if he's going to give you 150 innings. I know he's had a lot of freak injuries, so maybe he does. But I think just at this stage in his career, I don't think you can go into the season expecting 150 innings plus from Chris Sale. Then you have Corey Kluber, a guy who's also been banged up, also 37 years old, and he's projected to have a 4.68 ERA. Then you have Nick Pavetta, who I don't think has ever had an ERA below four. Then you have James Paxton, another guy who's been banged up. And then you have Garrett Whitlock, who I do like as a starter, but then you're removing him from the bullpen. And it's not like his projections going into next year are that great either. By fan graphs, he's projected 136 innings at a 4.01 ERA. I'm curious, do you guys think, and we'll start with Jack, do you think that the rotation is the issue? Do you think it's the bullpen? Do you think it's a combination of everything? But if you had to choose, what what do you think the weakness would be? Yeah, I think the weakness might be Fenway Sports Group. I I think the weakness (laughs) might be their reluctance to buy into the current roster and improving by outsourcing talent to this roster. But yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see the starting rotation being the problem because I think they're going to be running out Josh Winkowski types at some point because they lack depth in that rotation. And that is a really, really sad reality for Red Sox fans. I think there's enough to hope for in the lineup like Masataka Yoshida. Okay, Um, you'd prefer to have Xander Bogarts, but you got to feel good if you got Yoshida. Um, He may not have been quote unquote worth the $90 million that he got by industry consensus, but that's a $90 million player that you just added. Rafi Devers is on the books for $330 million. That's a massive ad. So the bats, like there's enough to be excited about here. Um, You are watching every Chris Sale start with both shoulders tensed up and you're clenching your teeth, hoping that nothing bad happens. That's where we're at with him. And everywhere else, there's really nothing that is a surefire thing. Um, Bayo, you hope is good, but yeah, I, I would say the rotation. I think arm, the only surefire thing is that Nick Pavetta is going to give you a four or five ERA. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I almost don't want to see Pavetta. Like I'd rather them move him to the bullpen. Um, I, I don't know what their plan is with Tanner Houck. Like that's a guy that has shown flashes of being a, a potential middle of the rotation starter, potential four type. Like maybe they like him more because of how nasty the breaking ball is as, as a reliever, but 
I just look at Nick Pavetta, James Paxton, and Garrett Whitlock, and I think Whitlock could be good, but that's another guy that was hurt. So every single guy in this rotation has had a lot of recent injury history besides Pavetta, who has put up the worst numbers. So I think they're going to roll into this season, expect multiple of these guys to go down at some point, and then they've got Bayo, who I love, waiting in the wings, and and that helps a little bit. But ultimately, I mean, th- this bullpen, it would have been a, a concern for me. I don't love the Kenley signing, but he's still a reliable bullpen arm overall. Chris Martin helps. Schreiber's been good. If Hauk is in that bullpen, that's a pretty good bullpen. But I'm expecting at least two of these guys to go down. And, and I hope I'm wrong about that, obviously. But it, when you look at the injury history and, and the age of these guys, as Peter alluded to, like odds are not in the favor of Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, and James Paxton to stay healthy. Uh, I think at least one of those guys are going down. And then even if they're healthy, do we think Paxton or Kluber are going to pitch that well? Like, I don't know. So if those guys are struggling, this rotation has a lot weighing on Chris Sale and a lot weighing on Bayo. And then also Whitlock, if he can fully make that transition from the bullpen as a starter coming off of injury, it's all a lot, a lot of variables for me. And one of the guys that I feel the most comfortable about, again, is a, is a rookie in Brian Bayo, and it shouldn't be that way. I just want to say another weakness could be um, 23-year-old forward Darwin Nunez from Uruguay, who is the star addition uh, to Liverpool. He's just really underperforming. Liverpool's ninth in the Premier League. I mean, the, the sale price of Liverpool Football Club is plummeting right now. Like, they sit below Brighton, Fulham, Brentford. This is so bad for John Henry. So bad. <laughs> Direct implications to the Red Sox, unfortunately. Yes. Fenway Sports Group plummeting with uh, with Liverpool sitting outside the Europa League. Get a grip, folks. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show as we move on to the American League Central. The Minnesota Twins don't have a lot of weaknesses, especially with adding Pablo Lopez to the rotation. The infield, Arm and I talked about it, is absolutely loaded. Hard to say that the bullpen is the weakness when you have one of the best closers in baseball with Yoan Duran and Jorge Lopez with how good he was. Griffin Jacks, actually, he increased his fastball at the highest rate of any pitcher from last year. He's around 92 in 2021, 95 last year. You know, they have Emilio Pagan, who is a home run machine, but Thielbar is a guy who you can plug in who's a decent, like, sixth-inning guy. So I don't think that's the weakness. I think the weakness is the outfield for the Minnesota Twins. You have Byron Buxton, who's one of the most talented players that we have in our game, but, I mean, can you stay healthy? I mean, we just haven't seen it, and he's 29 years old. I'm not expecting Byron Buxton to now put forward a completely healthy season and then in right field you have max kepler again a guy who's been banged up basically his entire career a really good talent but just can't stay on the field then you have joey gallo and it's i don't think that the twins who are predominantly a three true outcome club where they rely on the home run the strikeout and the walk are going to make joey gallo somehow this different version of a guy who struggled lately especially with the strikeouts i mean he does have plenty of power but he just really struggles to put the bat on the ball. You have Nick Gordon who can play some center field, but right now he's in the, in a DH role, so I'm not putting him in there. Then you have Trevor Larnick as a guy in their outfield. You have Michael A. Taylor. It just feels like the Twins, if I had to pick one, it would be the outfield. Arm, do you see a weakness besides the outfield that you would put above them? The bullpen is interesting. I think they've, you know, I liked the trade for Jorge Lopez, though he did struggle with Minnesota. I think he's he's going to be fine this year, and, and ultimately I think that was a nice pickup. 
But do you do you trust those arms outside of Duran and you know maybe Jax, but like Emilio Pagan and, and some of the other names in that bullpen? Like I don't know how much I trust those guys. The outfield is interesting because it lacks talent, like high end talent outside of Buxton, um, in terms of just you know somebody that can really 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 make an impact. But they've offset that by stockpiling. 30 outfielders, right? They trade for Michael A. Taylor, Taylor, who's a great defender. If Warnick doesn't pan out, they've got Matt Woner, who's waiting in AAA. If Woner is not hitting well, they could always move Kirilov back to the outfield and put somebody at first base. So yeah. it's close because I think Max Kepler, is his ceiling is pretty limited. And he, like you said, he struggles to stay on the field. And I don't like Joey Gallo at all, obviously. Um, and I don't think he's going to do much for them. And then their fallback is a rookie. I would still say, yeah, I would say the outfield is the weakest just because they have one of the star relievers in the game, you know, in Duran and then added Lopez and have some other okay arms. I think it drops off pretty significantly uh, in that bullpen and could be a problem. But ultimately, I, I do think that you're right on with it with the outfield, just just lacking enough impact. Jack, as one of the hosts of the Just Baseball show who doesn't really like talking about baseball, but more college basketball or, you know, some off things in other sports. Yeah. How what would you compare this outfield in terms of like a mid-major college basketball program? Uh, Well, I was going to compare it to the Hindenburg disaster, but um, I will (laughs) compare it to South Carolina. G.G. Jackson, five star Byron Buxton. But he's just not carrying this team, man. I mean, Lamont Paris in year one, it's just not working for the Gamecocks right now. Um, So I'm going to go with uh, South Carolina being the equivalent of the Minnesota Twins outfield. But I think the biggest weakness is making contact with baseballs. I I think that's going to be the hardest thing. Like, again, I said it a little bit earlier in the offseason, but the more I like truly dive into who each of these guys are, I think they may lead the league in strikeouts by a record difference here. Like everybody swings and misses. I just think on paper, they have a good outfield in terms of just like their opening day outfield. Buxton, Kepler, Gallo with those reserves is a good outfield. But I feel like there's a question mark with every single person in their outfield. Every other unit on the team, there's not as many question marks. So we could look back on this year and all these guys stay healthy. And we say, well, that was dumb calling their outfield the weakness if Buxton plays 150 games, if Kepler stays healthy, if Gallo somehow finds success like he did in Texas. You know, Michael A. Taylor provides really good defense in the back end. Larnick ends up being a solid fourth outfielder. Like, then we could point to this outfield being a strength, but that's for everything to go right. Like, the outfield almost feels like the entire Chicago White Sox team. If everything goes right, it can work really well. But more likely than not, it will not. Right, Jack? Yeah. Did you see um the did you see guaranteed right fields plan to like um install a couple of bars for like in seating in the outfield or something? And apparently they changed the uh the renderings, like the draw up for these bars a couple hours before they submitted the plans to the city because they realized that like plumbing costs would be through the roof. So they decided to go back to the drawing board and make it a lot cheaper for them to build. Well, why yeah, classic White Sox game is just going to be a bunch of people drinking their sorrows away, then going to the bathroom and taking a huge load and then coming back <laughs> yeah. into the game to see, oh, we're down eight two. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go home or keep drinking way too big a mud pies, way too small a slices. You, you notice you notice how they waited till Tony La Russa was gone to open the bars in the stadium. 
The Kansas City Royals, their weakness <laughs> is uh, the outfield, I think. Uh, no, what am I saying? The starting pitching. Um, you look at the outfield, and that's the reason I look at. A guy I, don't like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I look at a guy like Kyle Isbell. Um, I look at Edward Olivares, and I look yeah. at Drew Waters, and yeah. I don't see anything I'm excited about. But when I'm when I look at a rotation, and of the five guys, I'm excited about one of them. That I think takes the cake. Like Daniel Lynch. And Aram, we talked about this a little bit, has the potential to be a good pitcher, but he yeah. just hasn't put it together. And unfortunately, kind of like Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, where the Tigers, they just have a lack of an ability to teach their guys how to hit. The Kennedy Royals, for years now, have had a lack of ability to teach their guys how to pitch. So Daniel Lynch just may never see the potential. A guy I like is Brady Singer, but Jordan Lyles, I mean, talk about Bland when we're talking about the Orioles guys. No, was Brad Keller is Bland. And Keller I haven't even is gotten to Brad Keller or Ryan Yarborough. Like, these guys are just not very good. And they don't really have anyone in waiting that I'm excited about. The bullpen at least has some decent names back there. Whether they'll be good or not, I think, is a question. So I think we just have to decide which unit excites you least, the outfield or the starting pitching. All right, we'll go to you. Dude. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I think the outfield's worse. It might be. Wow. Because Jordan Lyles, he he is an arm. He will pitch yeah, and not one. give up 20 runs, right? So he'll probably be a, a mid-fours guy. Throw 190 innings next I time. think Brady Singer is going to shove this year. Like I, I I think every fan grass projection on him is off. Like I I think this guy is going to be low threes at least. Maybe, maybe even a little bit bad. Like I really do think he's going to be low threes. Ryan Yarborough, another guy that he is an arm who will probably give you a four five. Brad Keller could give you a four four five, and then Daniel Lynch. We'll see what he can do. This outfield, I think, when like by midseason, depending because they'll they'll call up like Tyler Gentry, maybe some other guys. This group right here could combine for a negative F four. Yes. Like, like I don't I like the only guy that I could see being moderately productive is is Drew Waters. Kyle Isbell like plays decent defense. I'm not fully giving up on him. I kind like I kind of yeah, Isbell's speed and defense, so he might be the war booster. God, like this outfield is and then Edward Olivares, like, no thank you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the outfield's worse. I really think this outfield is certifiably terrible, and and they they don't have any bench options. Like Samad Taylor might be their best bench option as as somebody that could play the outfield until Tyler Gentry is ready. I think this outfield will be the worst in baseball. So by that logic, I have to say the outfield because I think this pitching staff will be bottom five in baseball. I don't think it'll be the worst. Jack McMullen has a strange brain. Does the question of Edward Olivares versus Ryan Yarborough? Keep you up at night. No, no, actually. That that one is one of the ones that I go to when I'm done counting sheep. And <laughs> I have to go to last ditch efforts. Like, hey, how's Edward Olivares gonna be in 2023? And then I conk. I don't think about anything anymore. Um, yeah. I do want to do a little thought exercise with you guys. Close your eyes. Right-handed starting pitcher, Drew Waters, steps up to the plate, batting left-handed. Game goes on, you know, Orioles trailing 6-2 in the eighth. The opposing team goes to a left-handed reliever. Drew Waters can do something that very few in Major League Baseball can do, like max two or three per team. 
he flips around and hits right-handed in that <laughs> at-bat. They call that a switch hitter, folks, and Drew Waters is one of them. You got to be close my eyes for that shit. Yes. I mean, there's nothing exciting about that outfield situation. Um, you basically just had me dream of the color brown. Yeah. I mean, brown, like, depends how pretty a brown you're looking at. Like, if it's a nice mahogany, that's great. But if it's if it's poop colored, then that's not oh, good. Um, but this is poop colored, right? This is totally poop colored outfield and poop colored starting rotation. My thing is, like, I'm more... Uh, worried about the starting rotation because that is organization deep. Like they mm-hmm. might run into a guy that has some talent and you can't screw up a talented outfielder. Like they've screwed up every talented pitcher except for Brady Singer. And even at the beginning of Singer's career, it looked like they screwed up Brady Singer. So we'll, we'll I see. I will say, I will say MJ Melendez played 38 games in the outfield last year. If Probably he plays play in the outfield, here. then I like the outfield better. But I don't know. I don't know what their plan is with him. I'm going to go with the pitching staff for a couple of reasons. One, I think that point you made about MJ Melendez, um, our guy, Joel Penfield, Kansas City Royals, hosts a really good podcast. Go check him out. Um, He mentioned that MJ Melendez, he thinks is going to play a lot more in the outfield this year. And Nate Eaton led all of Major League Baseball in velocity from the outfield in terms of his throwing arm. So the Royals rotation doesn't have any guy who's number one in anything except home runs allowed. So I'm going to go with the rotation as their biggest weakness because it's that close. And if I get some MJ Melendez in the outfield, he's going to be good. And yeah. Nate Eaton throws hard. Nobody throws hard on the in the Royals rotation. Singer. Detroit... Singer doesn't throw hard. He's 95. It's not number one. Like Nate Eaton. Put some respect. All yeah. right. The Detroit Tigers. Um... I would go with the everything. Yeah, there's no um, wrong answer. There's really no wrong answer. I said that the outfield is their strength. You could make an argument for their infield, which features Javier Baez, features defensive run saved and outs above average merchant Jonathan Scope. Nick Maton is their listed third baseman. And we'll see what we get from Spencer Torkelson. I don't think that's the weakness because their rotation has Eduardo Rodriguez, Matthew Boyd, Michael Lorenzen, Matt Manning, and Spencer Turnbull. And then their bullpen has Alex Lang and a bunch of... Oh, it's got to be that bullpen, dude. Yeah. Their <laughs> it's got to be that bullpen. Because they'll get Scooble back at least at some point this year, I'm assuming. It has to be the bullpen. I mean, outside of Alex Lang... This is bad. I mean, this is yeah. real bad arm. I'm dude. There's 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 not much to to like about the bull, but I think the infield like is is pretty weak. But still, Javi Baez is going to find a way to to give you a couple wins uh, just defensively and run into some baseballs. I I think Torque's going to have a good year. I really do. Um. So you know, overall, it's it's not great, but the infield at least has some talent there. Like. This rotation, Erod has a lot to prove to make sure that that this contract is not a total and utter disaster. Uh, Matt Boyd is is fine. Lorenzen was actually a decent addition. I think he could be an, an interesting option, but he low key kind of sucked last year. So then you you have <laughs> Matt Manning who looks really good, Turnbull who took a step back and his battle injuries. I, yeah, 
that rotation's not great, but ultimately th- this bullpen could be one of the worst in, in all of baseball. Probably be worst. It probably is the worst. Um, I mean, I, there's names I really don't even know. I won't even pretend to, to know. So I would say bullpen, biggest weakness. R- raise your hand. Gone. Raise your hand if you remember watching any of these names. Like, had the Detroit Tigers or their previous teams on the TV and you remember watching them pitch. Alex Lang. I've watched Lang throw. Uh, Jason Foley. Jose Cisnero. No. Once, I think. Will Vest. No. Tyler Alexander. Yeah, I think he punched out nine in a row. Alexander did. Rony Garcia sucks. Rony Garcia, I haven't watched. Garrett Hill, I don't remember watching. Mason Englert, I've only watched because he was like a rule five guy. Yeah, so, I mean, that's it. That's incredible. I've only watched Alex Lang and Tyler Alexander, and Alexander is not nine punch outs in a row good anymore. I've been on I'll some of Ronnie Garcia has had some spot starts, I think, and he's he's not a he I you can't qualify him as an arm. Yes. I'll I'll sum it up like this. Outside of Alex Lang, I'd say that the rule five pick, Mason Angler, might be my my favorite arm in that bullpen. That's so like incredible. That, that, and I'm being honest. So like that that's what I'll I'll sum it up to. All right. All right. Well that was fun. Uh Detroit Tigers, I gotta say I'm I'm worried. Um, all right, the Texas Rangers are an interesting bunch because for me, I feel like it's it's pretty clear yes. what this weakness is going to be. Um, the infield we talked about is really, really good. The rotation projects to be very, very solid. And the bullpen has enough arms where I think to myself, all right, they can get you through some innings if the rotation ends up being as good as I think a lot of people hope. But I'm going back to this outfield is what I view as the biggest weakness. We, you know, we talked about them before. Leody Tavares in center field, Josh H. Smith. Don't forget about him. And then we have Adolis Garcia, who is solid. And I think we almost maybe put it the Rangers in our contenders because they are right there. You know, it's hard to mark them as a contender or a pretender. But when you have two-thirds of the outfield of guys that I'm not very high on and one guy I'm pretty low on and Josh H. Smith, I think the outfield is the clear weakness of the Rangers. Is it not, Jack? No, it is. It's totally the clear weakness. And and we've talked about that. You said you said it perfectly. Uh, they forgot about the outfield. And they totally forgot about the outfield. I do like Adolis Garcia. I think Adolis Garcia is a good major league hitter. I think he's an everyday outfielder. But Aside from that, you're banking on these guys being their 100th percentile outcome um, in order to win what you want to win this year. And it felt like you should have allocated some money to the outfield, and they didn't do that at all. Arm? Yeah, I don't have much to add. I, I do like Ezekiel Duran. I think he could go out to the outfield and, and be a factor for them. But again, it's it, it's all young guys, rookies, or just uh, just ending their qualification of a rookie. So second year guys that you're hoping can really figure it out very quickly. Uh, Leody Tavares has been a prospect for 20 years now. Like it, and I, I think at the very best, you're getting a, a glove first guy out there. He plays good defense. He's not going to hit like the offense that they're not going to get, I guess, from that outfield, it, it's going to be a very light, light, light hitting outfield. So I, I don't think it's very exciting. That's, that's definitely the biggest weakness for the Oakland A's. I think if you in the American League, if you're going to find a unit that's weaker than the Detroit Tigers bullpen, it might be the A's infield. 
Let me run you through these guys. Yeah, but they've got Daryl Ernaiz. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Aguilar is their new first baseman. And I don't know what to tell you. He might just be past his prime, and even his prime was pretty good. Uh, you got Tony Kemp at second base, who I always think is sneaky. Maybe he can give you 10 bombs, 10 stolen bases, but he's not going to give you much else. Um, Jace Peterson is their listed third baseman. Um, third basemen are supposed to supply power, and Jace Peterson is projected for eight home runs. And you got Nick Allen at shortstop. Um, and who do they have on their bench? Uh, Kevin Smith, who was my dark horse rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, that his was odds crazy. were insane. I think his odds were like plus 7,000. And I was like, he's going to play every day. And he did play a lot. And there's not a lot to like. I, I There's not a player in this infield that I'm even remotely excited about. But there's also a lot of weaknesses on the Oakland A's. Do you guys think that the infield is the biggest weakness, Jack? I think everything is the weakness for the Oakland days. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, think that's I mean, more like, fair. they're just that so outfield's f- not that bad. And the <sighs> rotation isn't that bad. Seth okay. Brown, Esteri, and Ramon <laughs> Laureano with Pache as the fourth. I mean, dude, like this team has given up. Ahead of last year, they gave up, and I don't know when they're going to start trying again. Because it's not like it's not like they have a top 10 farm in baseball. What do they have? Top 20 farm? Like they're probably in the 15 to 20 middle range. of the pack. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. even outside that. That's the uh. thing. Like it's so, it's such a dire situation for the Oakland A's. And if they don't move, like they may just fold because nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to watch this team on TV. It's a horrible situation because you've got decision makers that couldn't give less of a fuck about the team which is just insane. And I never thought that we would be saying that about a major league baseball team. And usually casual Friday is supposed to be fun, but this is a waste of time for Oakland A's fans. It's so sad. For you obviously a soccer guy, they might get relegated to the champions league. Yeah. I mean, no, the champions no. league is for the best teams. The championship oh. is the, is the worst teams in uh, the premier league. I knew that arm. So, this outfield's actually not bad. I just want to clarify that. Like I Seth Brown, I think, is actually incredibly underrated. Um Loriano, he's been hurt. I'm interested to see how he does this year. He'll definitely be their best player. And Estrella Ruiz is a really, really exciting center fielder. So I think without a doubt, the infield is the biggest weakness. Aguilar, I think his days are are, are pretty numbered, unfortunately. I love Jesus Aguilar. Such a good dude. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do, especially in that ballpark as a guy that's very line drive oriented, very much uh, benefits from where he is playing and what environment he's in. Shay Langliers gets me excited. That's a good catcher who's going to, I think, could be a top 15 catcher in the game uh, by the time he gets going next year with the defense and the power that he supplies. Nick Allen will, Jack likes to talk about 320, 320, 320. Nick Allen's going to give you 260, 260, 260. With really, really good defense at short, but at what cost? Ryan Noda will be the starting first baseman pretty early, I think, in the season. Rule five pick for them. He mashes. I'm excited to see him. But even then, if Noda breaks that infield and and Langliers is what he could be, that that infield is still the worst in baseball, probably. That's by far the the biggest weakness, even for this bad team. National League, I'll run us through it. Uh, We'll start in the National League East. The Miami Marlins... Arms fighting Miami Marlins. Uh, the offense, like it's to Arms' point. Uh, we were talking about this in the office. 
Like, it's not going to be worse than last year. I think an infield of Luis Arise, Gene Segura, Garrett Cooper, if he stays healthy, and Joey Wendell not isn't that bad. that bad. And the outfield, depending on how many games Jazz Chisholm plays, but we know when he's on the field, he's an incredible talent. He'll be in center. Avicel Garcia can't get any worse. And Brian De-, Brian De La Cruz has some spurts there where you're like, the bat's real. It's just he cannot defend out there. So I don't think it's any version of the offense. And it's definitely not the rotation. That's easily their biggest strength that we covered on the last episode. Arm, this bullpen is just bad. I mean, I there is not one name in there that I'm excited to watch next year. Are you excited about any of these arms in the bullpen? The the, the prospect guy in me is excited to see Nick Enright. Um, that's it. You know, and, and that's the crazy thing. The Marlins have, have taken this weird philosophy of like ground ball relievers. Even their closer, Dylan Floro, is a low 90s ground ball reliever. Richard Blyer is a low 90s ground ball reliever. I, I don't understand JT Char- Chagua, Chagua, low 90s low 90s ground ball reliever. Like, I don't understand what that approach is in today's game. Tanner Scott's the only stuff guy that strikes guys out, and he has no fucking clue where it's going. Oh, Kurt's been all right. Underlying metrics hate him. I think he's fine. The thing with this bullpen, though, is like all of these guys, or at least most of them, have proven to be passable but the problem is that's all that they have is passable so it's like you have a a version almost of a bunch of number four starters in in your bullpen essentially if if you could make a comparison that's where they're at i think the bullpen is the biggest weakness i think if they go into the year with this bullpen and they continue to ignore the bullpen i think it's malpractice like i've talked about it since i used to host locked on marlins like why aren't they addressing the bullpen and then they act shocked and use one-run losses as an excuse at the end of the year. Like, why do you think you lost so many one-run games? Because your bullpen sucks. So, yeah, the outfield is not good, but I don't think Avi can be worse. I think Solaire is going to be all right. Like, Solaire has shown us that he's good. When he's healthy, he will at least hit bombs, and he has hit bombs all the time. And he was just hurt last year. So, And then Jazz moving to center makes the outfield better. So 100%, that bullpen is, is a weakness. And you can't have a guy throwing 90 mile an hour sinkers as, as your, as your closer and Dylan Flora. Like he's a good seventh inning guy. That's it. Jack, I think arm broke it down enough for us to move on to the next team. But my only problem with everything he said was he said, Richard Blyer is a low nineties guy. No way. Is he? I think arm? he is. I think he's low a low 90s, 90s from guy. Richard Blyer. I thought he was like 86 to 88. No, I think 90, 92. Yeah. Okay. I- Maybe like 89 and 92. He probably then he broke it down perfectly because that was my only issue. <laughs> yeah. So um I one follow-up on the Marlins. How bad is the bench? Uh Fortez, Birdie, Groshans, Jesus Sanchez. Do you think it's fine? That's a good bench, guy. I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean Birdie led the league in stolen bases. Can Grosh- I say can I say the catching situation? Like the catching situation is really bad because Stallings obviously stinks. Um, Fortez is so so. Paul McIntosh is like a pop up, right? <laughs> Paul McIntosh, I think they're going to try to play at different positions. So. Okay, so Austin Allen, Santiago Chavez, Will Banfield, Joe Mack. I mean, it, Mack could be good, but Mack's a high A guy. Like the the light is not near the end of the tunnel for no catching situation. They're in trouble at the catching position. Arm yeah. wasn't going to trade Joe Mack for Luis Arise. No, Joe Mack is Joe Mack's their only hope right now. <laughs> He's their only hope. The Washington Fighting Nationals. Everything. Um, yeah, take your pick. 
the bullpen, if we're talking about the Tigers' bullpen being bad, holy moly. I mean, you want to go through and think of guys that we have seen pitch before. The outfield, I think, is bad with Corey Dickerson, Lane Thomas. And in center field, you got Victor Robles. That is a good one to name for their weakness. Weirdly enough, the rotation has some guys that I want to turn the TV on to watch. And Mackenzie Gore and Cade Cavalli and Josiah Gray. If he just keeps the ball in the ballpark, he's got and some Corbin. Good stuff. I love, I love watching yeah. Pat Corbin. <laughs> yeah, you, you had about four other people. Um, the bullpen, Jack, is Kyle Finnegan is their closer. Carl Edwards Jr. is their setup. Yeah. Hunter Harvey. Victor o- Victor Orano. Yeah. Rosmo Ramirez. Mason Thompson. Paolo Espino. And the best one of all is Thad Ward. I was gonna say another another one where you can sum it up very simply. Their best reliever is a rule five draft pick. Done. That simple. Yeah. Anything else, Jack? You want to add any mention- color on a different sport? Yeah, honorable mention the bench. Riley Adams, Ildemaro Vargas, Alex Collins, Stone Garrett. Maybe Stone Garrett was a fire pickup. I love that pickup. Okay, <laughs> but like that's the worst bench in baseball, is it not? No, it's it's definitely the worst bench in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Nationals, they uh they lack some depth there. Uh the Cubs are the Cubs are an interesting bunch. Um because their bullpen has some guys in it that I don't really mind if they stay healthy. Um, Brandon Hughes is a decent reliever. Brad Boxberger is fine. Alzali is a guy who they might put in the rotation, but in a bullpen role, I think he could be kind of decent. Rowan Wick is decent, and Julian Merriweather, if he stays healthy, can be really good. The rotation definitely has its question marks, but it's kind of similar to the Orioles in a way where there's no true ace there, but outside of Drew Smiley, I don't think anyone's going to kill you. So I sort of lean towards the outfield, but I kind of don't. This is a tough team to peg a weakness, and that's why the Cubs might go from contender to pretender. Not exactly sure. Um, I got to be honest. I'm unsure of the weakness here with the Cubs. Jack, what do you think? So I say there's no weakness. I, I just say everything is C grade except for the middle infield, which is A grade. Um, mm-hmm. But like everything else is fine. It's not bad. It's not great. They've yeah. got some great pieces, right? Seiya Suzuki is a great piece in a corner. Ian Happ is a great piece in a corner. Like Happ and Suzuki with Bellinger in center, I think is a good outfield. It's not a great outfield. It's not like a strong suit, right? B minus. The infield the middle infield is A grade. The corner infield sucks. So here you are like averaging out to a C, C plus. Arm and I decided Barn- though that we're just pretending it's Matt Mervis. So now the corners aren't that bad. If you're pretending it's Mervis, then it's we're a pretending. B, B plus infield. So there yeah. we go. That's a good thing about the Chicago Cubs. So the, the catching situation, Barnhart and Jan Gomes couldn't be more C grade if you try. Yeah, that is so what like, we see. I just think everything is C grade across yeah. the board except for the middle infield. Arm, can you find a D grade on this team? No, like which is a good and a bad thing, right? Like I, the rotation, they they add Tyone. Stroman's been solid. Steele looked great last year, right? I mean, and then Hendricks, I think, should be healthy at some point during the season, and and hopefully he, he, he was. Thompson is is all right. Yeah, yeah but Wesneski's not even factored in. Oh like, yeah, and Wesneski's going to be great. The I, best I, pitcher I re- on the team. I really like Wesneski. He could be their second best starter next year, legitimately. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I can't fault that rotation. 
it's it's got to be just kind of even across the board. I'd say biggest weakness is signing Eric Hosmer, and that's that's what I'll leave it at. Yes. The biggest weakness is the signing. Uh, yeah, I mean, Eric Hosmer, he doesn't move the needle. I think for anybody, I don't even think Cubs fans were excited to see Eric Hosmer on the roster. The Reds are interesting. Um, their rotation is a strength up top, but I got to say the fourth and fifth with Weaver and Sessa is certainly alarming. I think the bullpen is sneaky decent. Uh, Arm and I... Um, Use the term coined by Pardon My Take podcast, frisky. I think the bullpen's kind of frisky. Um, Alexis Diaz is one of the best up-and-coming young relievers in the game. Lucas Sims can get you outs. TJ Antone can get you outs. Reaver San Martin, ever since he entered a bullpen role, was much better. So I'm going to go with the outfield as the biggest weakness for this team. Uh, with Nick Senzel in center, a uh, very highly touted prospect. He was drafted number two overall. Really good college hitter but then just hasn't really amounted to much. And Will Myers, if we're talking about the color brown, if we're talking about just kind of a bland player who can hit you some home runs, but maybe sell some tickets. I just don't know how much I love Will Myers at 32 years old. And TJ Friedel is, is like I said, he could be a 750 OPS at his peak, but I think that's his peak. So there's just the reason I say the outfield is there's not much upside here. And I think that's fair. Jack, you're laughing at me. Because TJ Friedel's not a 750 OPS guy. We went over peak. this like last week. I just speak. Yes, we did go over it last week. What I will say is projections 326 on base, 417 slugging. That's a projected 740 OPS. No. So, what are you smarter than the numbers? Uh, <laughs> no, TJ Friedel's <laughs> not as good as the numbers. Um, yeah, I'd say the outfield too, because you think about. Um, you know, Jake Fraley being like the DH slash fourth outfielder. And then you've got Stu Fairchild as your bench outfield. That That's not, I mean, it's, it's so middling. It's fine. But like everything else has something that is not exceptional, but something that either brings you to the ballpark, makes you turn on the TV. Um, I mean, there's just like, there, there's nothing sexy about their outfield situation. There's something sexy about every other situation. Yeah. One of the more boring units in Major League Baseball, right arm? I mean, yeah, that outfield ain't great. Um, I, I can't get behind that. I think Will Myers, I, I like the pickup in a nutshell, but I honestly just kind of think he's cooked. Like, I just I just don't know how much he has left in the tank, so we'll see. He's, he's still 32, but no looking at the batted ball data just didn't look good. Yeah, maybe his hands have worn down through the years. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man, but hopefully he bounces back. I like it as, as a chance to take for the Reds, but there's a very real scenario where Myers just still stinks. And at that point, it's like, what is this outfield? Now you're probably starting Fraley every day there. I have no idea who the hell they DH. Probably like Kurt Casale. And have, whenever you have a team with the double catcher situation and it's not like the Blue Jays, yeah, it just tells you that that it's kind of ugly, right? If they're if they're starting the backup catcher in the DH role, it usually tells you it's a, it's a light hitting lineup. Infield's exciting enough, and we talked about the the, the rotation as a strength. And then Alexis Diaz is freaking awesome. Yeah. TJ Antone, when healthy, is is a great setup, man. Like that's enough there with Sims and the other names you mentioned. So for sure, that outfield leaves the most to be desired. Yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, the Fighting Pirates. Um, everybody's fighting in the National League. Yeah, everyone's fighting in the national. Yeah, like the fighting brewers. I think he said yeah. fighting for the last three teams. I mean, they're all fighting. You know, they're they're uh, fighting pirates. Biggest um, weakness: Triple A broadcaster. 
Yeah, yeah, that's easily their biggest. Dude's gonna get canceled so quick. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, all right, Jack. I just I want to ask you. You know, put you on the spot with your team. Uh, the biggest weakness of this. Uh, I'm just looking at the team. The, like the infield, like we talked about. Um, could be sneaky. All right. Um. The outfield with, <clears throat> excuse me, Jack Sawinski, Andrew McCutcheon, and Brian Reynolds is obviously a really good player. The rotation is exciting at the front two with Roancy and Luis Ortiz. Um, but like Rich Hill, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, I'm not that excited. But I look at the bullpen and I think to myself, I don't know who's going to get outs outside of David Bednar. Um, Harleen? Stevenson, maybe. Arlene, Arlene Garcia. Garcia. Arlene Garcia. Yeah. Yeri De Los Santos. Yeri De Los Santos. You know what? Maybe the Pirates are really good. Jack, what um, do you think? I mean, it... it's, obviously, it's obviously the rotation for now. I will mm-hmm. say that their two um, F-grade scenarios are going to change very quickly. Um, the catching scenario is F-grade with Austin Hedges and Tyler Heineman. But obviously, Andy Rodriguez is starting the year in AAA. He's not going to spend the entire year in AAA. So when Andy gets up, that goes from F-grade to B grade with a rookie Andy Rodriguez if he is who we think he is with with the chance and Hedges that's a good combo Hedges is a great backup Hedges great. is a great backup with with Andy as the everyday catcher would be absolutely exceptional um, the other weakness here is the rotation Contreras and Ortiz up top but then you go Rich Hill Mitch Keller J T Brubaker Vince Velasquez that's swapped out for Burroughs and Quinn Priester about midway through this year. Yeah, so I will say it's the rotation and the catching situation for now, but that's going to change by the all-star break. But couldn't, I know that I agree with you there, but doesn't that make the bullpen the weakness? Like who's coming in for this Pirates bullpen that's that you rely on to get outs outside of Bednar? Uh, again, Yeri De Los Santos, Harleen Garcia, Will Crow had a really good stretch of ball last year. Um, Chase DeYoung, shockingly, had a really good stretch of ball. And then they've got some guys waiting in the uh, in the minor leagues. They protected Colin Selby, lefty that's 100. Um, they protected him with, uh, with a 40-man spot. Like, they, I don't think they're going to be a bad watch after the All-Star break. I really don't think so. Interesting. Maybe we're looking yeah. at a Pirates over win total. You guys are kind of... We, the positivity is coming through, and I, I'm buying it. I'm, we we might be, and, and also I nothing gets me more excited than an Andy Rodriguez getting everyday playing time with Austin Hedges nurturing him behind the dish. Right, like that that's going to be awesome, absolutely awesome. He doesn't need Hedges. To, I hope Hedges doesn't say a fucking word about hitting to him because Andy should Andy could maybe mentor Hedges on hitting yes. a little bit from yeah. both sides of the. Hey, play. you he, see the ball? Try to put it in play. Yeah. Wait, open your eyes. No, but it, Hedges being able to to kind of tutor uh, Andy as a catcher who's continued to get better and better, that excites me. I think he's going to be awesome. But I, I hear you on the bullpen, Peter, but I could see that until they call up their their other guys, I could see Vince Velasquez. Like that was an auto fade for me in, in terms of betting. If I saw auto. Velasquez start, auto fade. Like he's in that territory. Brubaker is 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 a problem as well. Mitch Keller, we get the we get the tread video once once every offseason. He's throwing a hundred. Okay, cool. And then he sucks. Apparently, uh, so- his sinker is legit now, though. Yeah. Apparently, I'll tell you what his sinker performed. He Rich Hill. Rich Hill. Are a, he what? saw it in the video. He, he saw the video. video. We're, we're sold. 
Rich Hill's not far from from being an AARP member. Like I, I, I really don't. I really don't think this rotation's gonna. And then Rowanzi, I love Rowanzi, but he's been banged up. Like there's a scenario where this rotation is catastrophic uh, until the other reinforcements get called up. So I'm gonna go rotation. Jack, there's two things that give me the same vibes. It's the Mitch Keller tread videos and the optimism for the Angels every year. It's the same thing. It's clockwork. Yeah. Uh, also, Ben Simmons hitting. Um, open gym threes yeah oh that's that's like mitch keller tread videos and ben simmons post-game shooting just drilling three straight wing threes it's the same energy yeah national league west the arizona diamondbacks have only one weakness they really only have one weakness the outfield can be electric the infield you go around their only weakness is shortstop especially now you add gabby moreno and now that it's a, there's like a Carson Kelly, it's not a platoon, but just those two catchers together. Third base, Josh Rojas, love. You can tell Marte if he stays healthy, love at second base. Christian Did you Walker, use the, the L love. word for Josh Rojas? Hold on. Yeah, I, love was, Josh Rojas. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I like him. I love Josh Rojas. I think he is a great Swiss Army knife. He had a really good year last year. I think he is one of the more underrated players in it's Major fair. League Baseball. I'm fair. a big fan of his. Um, but the bullpen. Um, Joe Mantiply was an all-star. That's it. Um, Miguel Castro has good stuff, but there's a reason he's bouncing around teams. Yeah. Because he just like gives up runs, even though he's nasty. And it's his um, job not to. Yeah. It's his job not to. Yeah. Mark Melanson is now 38 years old. Arms calling for a bounce back. I'm not so sure. Paul Sulcer is a former Marlins guy. So that's... The Marlins opted to not pay him a million dollars to put it in perspective. There um, you go. There's yeah. not a lot to be excited about. That's the one thing that I think will hold this Diamondbacks team. They're going to hit. They have enough pitching with Gallon and Merrill Kelly at the top and these exciting young prospects coming up. But the weakness is, I think, clearly the bullpen because there's a lot of strengths for this Diamondbacks team arm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with, with what you have rotationally already, uh, I feel decent about it. Like, Mad Bum is your biggest weakness, and – the end of the day, he he settled into like a, a being a five caliber starter, right? He wasn't a negative value guy. He's gonna give you a mid to high forest sucks, but given where he pitches, it's not the worst thing in the world. And then once you want to stop that experiment, they've got so many other arms waiting in the wings. And 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 I honestly I wonder how long it's going to take until Dre Jameson gets plugged right back in there. I'd rather see Dre Jameson. I think Zach Davies was a super sneaky addition. Like the guy's about to say, he's continued to throw. Yeah. He had one disaster year in 2021 at Wrigley, but you look at three of the last four years, I'll take you through it. 2019, 355 ERA, 2020 COVID shortened season, 273 disaster, 578 ERA with the Cubs, Arizona last year, 409 ERA. Like this is a, this is a guy that I think has been really solid for them. I, I like him. So I, I like the rotation enough. There's reinforcements coming. Um, yeah, that that bullpen could be okay though. It could. But if their biggest weakness is the bullpen that I'm not like sounding the alarms on, that's why I love this overwin total for this team. Like, is Mantiply going to be an all-star? Probably not. Kevin Ginkle was fine last year. Castro could be okay. Melanson, hope he bounces back. But this is not like a a atrocious bullpen but it's definitely the weakest link we're missing the biggest signing of all it happened yesterday and i didn't i was not made aware of it until a friend who's actually a diamondbacks fan texted me and said yo we got jerry's familia to a minor league deal 
Oh shit. That's sick. Let's yeah. go. Um, so when Jerry's familia is the all-star representing the Arizona diamondbacks, I gotta, I gotta give him a high five and a handshake. So, um, pitch clock's going to be a nightmare for him. Dude. He might retire after one. Okay. He's gonna be like, I can't do this. Hey, let me, let me tell you this I though. Say that. <laughs> I saw a tweet and I, I'm blanking on the tweet. I'll try and find it here, but the pitch clock might be a nightmare for Shohei Otani. He was, um, I think, third slowest pitcher in Major League Baseball in terms of tempo with nobody on base. And then he was also weakness. third slowest with runners on base. Agreed. You didn't see the Otani clause. They, they don't apply the rule to him. He can do whatever he wants. Did I they call it the Babe Ruth clause or the Otani clause? Otani clause. Got you. Um, Aram, to wrap up on the Diamondbacks, do you want to say your hot take that you said to me in the office about Brandon Fott? Do you remember what you said? Oh, that I like him more than Hunter Brown. Yes, yes. I, and I want—I just want to hear you kind of talk through it because we didn't really talk through it. I just remember you saying that in the office and me thinking, "Wow." I mean, that's high praise. Yeah, Hunter. So, and again, like we we went about it with the Pirates in a way that like we can only talk about the rotation that's going to be there. But I think Fott's going to be up there really quick. I like Hunter Brown more because he has, or excuse me, I like Brandon Fott more than Hunter Brown because he's got four pitches that he really, really trusts for Brown. Doesn't really trust the changeup as much. His fastball command is still a little bit spotty. Fott's command is phenomenal. Uh, and I think that's what really separates him. His his slider is ridiculous. I think it's one of the best commanded sliders also in the minor leagues. So I just think Fott's going to come up and just shove. I think Brown is going to be really good, but I do think he's going to go through some command bouts. I I, th- I think we were very quick to, to kind of overlook his inconsistencies in the past command wise. And also just overall in the season, he had a really good stretch in the bigs, but I, I think there, there needs to be a little bit more consistency there before we're like, boom, he's for sure. You know, a three, I think Fott, his floor is so damn high. I hope they call him up quick because that's, that's a guy that, I'm pushing up in our top 100 update is one of the best right-handers in, in, in the minor leagues. Take your pick with the Rockies. They suck. Um, I don't have anything to say about them. They're outfield blows. They're outfield blows. Uh, you got Jonathan Dawes in center. You got Chris Bryant in left, who obviously we do like, but I mean, all we got is just stay healthy. And then Randall Gritchick in right field. Uh, and their DH is Charlie Blackman. Their bench is awful. Their rotation has a bunch of five starters in it, and their bullpen, their bullpen actually weirdly okay. With Bard, Pierce Johnson, Denelson, Lamette, Gilbreth, you know, Lawrence is fine. Like they have their bullpen's actually not too bad. Uh, but their outfielder, their starting rotation guys, take your pick, make your uh arguments because I'm done talking about the Rockies, Jack. Um, it was Danny Vietti with CBS Sports that had Otani. He was Otani was the slowest guy with nobody on base. Twenty two seconds between pitches with nobody on base, which wow. is crazy. Can we uh, just talk about Otani instead of the Rockies? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the bench. If the Nats bat, if the Nats bench is the worst in baseball, then Colorado's bench is the second worst in baseball with Servin, Elihuris Montero, Harold Castro, and Sean Bouchard. It's horrible, horrible. I mean, just horrible. I mean, just ah. Name to watch, name to watch though, that could come up and be a great bench option for them is uh, Jimmy Heron. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big Jimmy Heron fan. He was a guest of the call up. This isn't even just because uh, he's a guy that is awesome, dude, that I'm a big fan of, but he's a grinder 
was third round pick traded over to the Rockies had a phenomenal year overall. And like, they need to inject that like Winton Bernard type of energy. Like that's what this team needs. I think Jimmy Heron's going to supply that. So I just wanted to, to, to put it aside and plug, plug the man, Jimmy, but hopefully they call him up soon. Cause I'd way rather have somebody like him on the bench than fucking Harold Castro and Sean Bouchard. But anyways, this rotation is so brutal. I love Austin Gomber because that's a guy that when that whole trade went down, I was still hosting locked on MLB prospects. And I'm like, man, I got to try to find one piece in this package that makes sense. And that's the Nolan Arenado deal that I'm talking about here. And I was looking at Gomber stuff and I was like, this is going to be the one guy that I think they can salvage here. And Gomber has been good for them. But I mean, Marquez that's supposed to be their ace. He can't keep the ball in the yard, right? Uh, Kyle Freeland, they extended him. I don't know what Kyle Freeland is because he's been phenomenal. He's been brutal. And then he was somewhere in between. My biggest thing is this. Jose Urania and Connor Siebold in that rotation, like both of those guys, I would say, will not finish the season in the rotation with the Rockies. Like I, I that's my that's my bet there. I think they will pump, throw somebody else in there before they let those guys continue to struggle the entire year. Like, I think Siebold and Urania will be disasters uh, by mid I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope these guys succeed. I don't root against anybody, but like Urania is brutal. He found a nice little stretch enough for them to, to, to you know, try and him out again. Up 10 earned runs in a start. Yeah, correct. I've never seen somebody like get shelled like Jose Urania does when he is not right. And his command is brutal. And then Siebold, I mean, like dude, the, the, the pitching Baron, Red Sox, just just let him go. So that that rotation could be catastrophic if Marquez is is kind of like he was last year. Um, Gomber is the only guy I like really think is underrated in that rotation. And, and he had a five. Know how bad last year, this, by the way, he had a five know, five six. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. You want to know how bad this Rockies rotation? The only guy you're excited about had a five five six ERA last year. Yeah. Like yeah, he was I, good like, in spurts, but he was kind of horrible. He was kind of horrible. I would say probably. <laughs> I mean, Marquez is obviously the best arm. He had a four nine five. You got to take it with with a grain of salt, obviously, where they're pitching. But free is Freeland good? Like, if you had to take a bet, who's going to have the best ERA in this rotation this year? I think I'm taking Kyle Freeland in his four five three last year because Kyle Freeland went four three three in 2020, four three three in 2021, and four five three last year. If my if I'm betting on the guy with the four five three the year before. To have the to win the the Rockies ERA title, like that shows you how bad it is. Even with it being Coors Field, I don't care. Like that that's a bad rotation. Rockies gave up eight hundred and seventy three runs last year. There was only a few teams in Major League Baseball that allowed eight hundred. That was by far the most. Um, I'm not excited for any of these pitchers at all. Not even slightly. No, Jack, no. anything to add to this glorious Rockies team? You got a joke maybe to cheer me up. You're going to compare them to a mid-major college basketball team. You're going to talk about low-level soccer. What do you got to add? No, I was just going to say uh, I can't wait to watch Gabriel Hughes starts in minor league baseball, 10th overall pick this last yeah, year. You'll be right. watching with your son. Yeah, uh, with my son. With a kid. I don't know. Like He's not going to be up <laughs> for like four or five years, man. I know. That's fine. Uh, I'm excited to watch Gabriel Hughes, uh, college right-hander. He may spend the majority of the year in high A, maybe get a cameo in double if he's performing well. Uh, but like, he, that's the type of thing where um, 
I think it's Root Sport. No, Root is Seattle. I don't know. The the station that broadcasts Rockies games, um, they should be putting on like Spokane Indians games and, and they should be showing Gabriel Hughes starts. Uh, last thing, not Rockies related that I got to show you guys this week. Andrew Painter has been at Cressy all offseason. I watched a bullpen. He looked insane. I just saw a photo of him and Cressy together. And this guy looks jacked. I mean, if if we're talking if for the YouTube folk, you're getting some eye candy right now with Andrew Painter. But He's supposed to be a lanky right-hander, and he looks jack. If you're looking for best pitcher in minor league baseball, can quickly become the three for Philly by the All Star break. Yep, give me Andrew Painter. Tristan McKenzie is dreaming of that body, <laughs> Dude, and Painter's I mean, got it at twenty. Tristan McKenzie's got to sign up for whatever Cressy program Andrew Painter just did. This is insane. So Andrew Painter already reached 101 last year. Um, I believe he might have even topped out at 102. Now he might be sitting 98-99. I mean, th- this guy could put the Phillies over the top this year, no doubt about it. We'll we'll, we'll have more on him when we put come up come out with the top 100 update. But he is ridiculous. Top 100 update coming soon on JustBaseball.com. Make sure to check out all of that prospect coverage on the call-up hosted by Arm, and you see our guy Jack McMullen hopping on from time to time. Uh, NFL best bets for the conference championship. Any of my football fans out there, any of my not-gambling degenerates out there, go check out that podcast with Colby and I. We just finished it. Uh, plenty of more stuff coming out on JustBaseball.com. We have a bunch of new articles. Best way to support this podcast is get yourself some Just Baseball merch, which is in the episode description. We got athletic long tees. We got hats. We got sweatshirts. We got shirts. I'm rocking one of them. Um, I think that's it. Um, and if you don't want to spend a dime, we totally understand. If you could leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Get this podcast humming. We greatly appreciate it. We wouldn't be here without all of your guys' support. That was us shitting on some teams. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Next week, buying or selling down years. And then we have a slew of content coming from previews to top 10s. My top 100 overall players is coming. College baseball content, fantasy baseball content, the World Baseball Classic content, the whole nine here on the Just Baseball Show. And with that, thank you, everybody. goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill